It's time now for North Star Sports, your source for the hottest sports takes in the business. Here's your host, Owen Ely. Hello, everyone, and welcome to North Star Sports. I'm your host, Owen Ely. You can follow me on Twitter at Owen Ely MN. You also can follow North Star Sports on Twitter at North Star MIN. Be sure to check out our website at NorthStarsports.media. And welcome into the show, everyone. We got a great one for you today here on January 4th, 2021, as we have a very special guest with us. Uh, I'm going to say it's in studio, but that's that's a lie. But you guys, that, that's on a need to know basis. But we have the pride of St. Saint Croix Saint Falls, Wisconsin, Reagan Hooverman on the show. Reagan, how's it going, buddy? It's going great. I'm excited to be here. It's nice to be back in the mic talking a little sports and uh yeah, if only it was in studio, wouldn't that be awesome if we had our own studio? But maybe in the future, um, I'm excited to talk some sports and recaps and and some of the massive blunders that I had in my preseason predictions. Oh boy, yeah, we'll get to all of that. And there are some. I was gonna I was gonna rag on you a lot for a certain pick that you know was bad, but I found yeah. out I also had a pick that was that bad. But we'll obviously we'll we'll get to that uh, as well. But yeah, I mean, it's always good to be on the mic with uh, the Hound Dog. Absolutely. That's right. It's, I mean, let's, oh man, this, I think this might be a bloodbath when we go back through our predictions, but maybe it's not as I remember, maybe it's not going to be as bad as I think it is. Oh, there's, there are some nondescript divisions, but there, there are some pretty bad ones. Oh uh, man. Obviously, you know, we got to start with the NFC North cause that's our division, you know, and this yes, one, yeah. this one might be a little bit longer cause I might have a brain aneurysm as I discuss the, the current state of the purple and gold. Um, so I, I don't I don't exactly know the best way to, to go through this. I suppose uh, we'll we'll start here with uh, how it finished, and then uh, I'll talk about um, our our preseason picks, and then I, I suppose we can get deeper into it. So uh, obviously we had the Green Bay Packers winning the division here at thirteen and three. Uh, the Bears finish at eight and eight, and in the seven spot in the playoffs, the Vikings a very disappointing nine and or excuse me seven and nine. I wish it was nine and seven. Uh, and the Detroit Lions uh, at the rear there going 5-11. and 11. Reagan, we were a little bit too low on the Packers. I had them going 10-6. and six. You had them going 11-5. and five. Why were they so good this year? I, I think, you know, uh, the biggest thing is, for me, it's, it's the resurgence of Aaron Rodgers. I mean, you take a look at his numbers last year. They were, I believe, PFF and, you know, people debate on how PFF ranks things, but it's it's a pretty valid stat in my opinion. PFF had him as like the 15th best quarterback last year and he was kind of in that decline and it looked like he was getting older and he might not be the player he once was. And this year, you know, he's basically reinvented himself. And, you know, in, in addition to him changing things physically, cause I know on the Pat McAfee show, he talks a lot about the, he changes training and his, his, his mindset. And he kind of went through a personal like rebirth essentially and, and changed how he looked at things and football and life. But also, I think his second year in the LaFleur system, I think last year, you know, he spent whatever since what, 2004, 2005, he spent with McCarthy up until last year and then trying to learn an entirely new offense, which is still a West Coast style. It's 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 heavily on the pass and stuff, but it's a little bit more balanced than what McCarthy was doing. I, I, I think his second year in the system, it's he, he, he knows it better. He doesn't have to look at the play sheet every time or the thing on his 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 arm to to know the plays. He's more comfortable more comfortable in the pocket. I think he's moving around and they've kind of cut off the fat on the playbook. Like there's not many wasted plays like last year. I know there was a lot of wasted plays where it was screen, 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 and, and nothing worked. I, I just feel like they've, 
in, in addition to what he's done physically and I guess mentally with himself, in addition to being more comfortable in the Lafleur system, it, it's it's culminated in what looks like an, an MVP campaign. Yeah, so you're you're obviously the Packers insider. I'm a very casual Packers observer. Um, how much how much of this change do you think is directly attributable to the Packers uh, drafting Jordan Love and kind of being like, well, you gotta you gotta shit or get off the pot here because we're we're thinking about the future. I think, you know, everybody. I, I mean, even me, going back to the draft was like, you know, we would have loved to see a wide receiver draft in the first round, but things have kind of changed, and and, and the team I, I look at it completely differently than I did before the season started. I guess obviously some things are going to change when you draft a first round quarterback. Like there's no doubt about that. It, if Aaron says, you know, eh, I don't think anything of it, I, he's lying. And he hasn't said that he's been pretty upfront. He's like, yeah, it kind of bothered me. And you know, if, if we're going on a percentage basis, how much of that is, is directly correlated to the 13 and three record and him likely winning an MVP this year, I'd say maybe 10 to 15%. I really don't think it's that big of a deal. I think it's a little bit of, you know, maybe a little bit of a chip on the shoulder, but I, I, I don't see it completely causing everything that has changed with, with what he's done in the off season and, and how he feels with Matt LaFleur. So I, I, I think it changed things, but I don't think it's as dramatic as some people make it out to be. Okay. That's, that's fair. Uh, and uh, I, I mean, we've, we've known this for a long time with Aaron Rodgers. He gets the most out of his players and I'd, I'd be a little concerned with with some of the the players you have on on the offense but it's just it's crazy i mean robert tanyan has 11 touchdowns i mean mvs i mean he's not really handicapping your team he's good for a long touchdown like every other game uh i did not like the selection of aj Dillon, but what was that that uh, game against the titans where you know it looks like you have a real legit I, i still wouldn't take a running back that high when he's your third string running back but it looks like it was a good selection and you just yeah, and it, you just go wow. I mean, they're really getting the most out of these weapons. The, I think one of the mo- one of the things that flies under the radar most about this Packers team is the depth. I mean, they have guys that can come in at any position on the offensive line. Perfect example now is Bakhtiari going down with the, what looks to be I don't know if it's been confirmed yet, but they're assuming torn ACL, um, which happened in practice a couple of days ago. And it's like, you know, if that if that happens, he's he's either the first or, or second best tackle in the, in the game. I mean, he's there, there's no doubt about it. He's the highest paid left tackle in the game. He's fantastic. He's been awesome. And he's, he's essentially been the cornerstone of that offensive line. When he goes down any other team, pretty much it's going to shipwreck the entire offensive line. Cause you're going to have to shift everyone with the Packers. It's like, all right, whatever. We'll, sh- we'll kick Billy Turner out to left tackle, you know, Elton Jenkins, will, he'll stay at left guard, but he can play anywhere, you know, the entire offensive line has been fantastic backup. I know uh, Wagner had some snaps. Like there's, there's so much depth along the offensive line that losing a guy like Bakhtiari, as much as it sucks, it's, it's, they can overcome it. And I feel like a lot of teams couldn't. In addition to that, you got three running backs that are, I don't want to say starting caliber, but like if we didn't have Aaron Jones, Jamal Williams would be just fine. He's not going to be Aaron Jones, but he's a pretty good back. If we didn't have Jamal Williams or Aaron Jones, you know, you got AJ Dillon to come in and he, I'm not saying he's you know super fantastic either, but there's so much depth that if something happens, it's next man up mentality at wide receiver, obviously they're going to be a little more thin, but 
I mean, MVS hasn't been getting that many snaps because obviously Devontae is number one and, and essentially number two and number three, he's the entire offense, but it's like Alan Lazard has been good. MVS has been okay. Like Aquanimia St. Brown has been serviceable. Like there's, there's depth along the entire offense. And I think that's a big reason for it as well. And I'm, I've, I've uh, you know, I was watching the, uh, the bears game and I've, again, I've only seen a handful of games. So maybe, you know, the, the small serving size I've watched is, is maybe, you know, not exactly uh, consistent with uh, the entire year, but I've, I've been impressed. I mean, they just take nobodies. And I specifically look at the linebacking group, like, and I, I get Rashawn Gary. I mean, I guess he's an edge, but like Chris Barnes, you find this guy on a fucking scrap heat, scrap heap. Yep. Christian Kirksey was thrown off from, from the Browns. I mean, yep. some of these linebackers that they have out there playing, I mean, they're just, they're elevating them. Uh, Kamal Martin. Uh, Kamal Martin. I, I thought yep. he played a good, a good game uh, uh, yesterday. So I've, I've been impressed with that as well. I think, I think in hindsight's 2020, but um, you know, you, you, you talk about, I mean, drafting Jordan Love with a first round pick. I mean, as a Vikings fan, thank God they didn't take uh, T Higgins or Chase Claypool. Cause I could not imagine how, I mean, that, that offense would rival that of, of Kansas cities. If they added a wide receiver like that to complement with, with what you have. Yeah. It's, it's, you know, it's a super explosive offense. I believe I was looking at uh, the ESPN stats and info. And I think the Packers have only scored less than 30 points four times this year. So, I mean, essentially every game, we're in the thirties or even forties in points. So that that's pretty, you know, if you're a Packer fan, you love to see, you love to hear that, but you know, it would have been nice to add a wide receiver, but I think, I think it's time to move on from that talking point. I'm not obviously addressing you, but I mean, just, I still see it on Twitter. I, and obviously I follow all the Packer reporters, all the chance. So, you know, I'm constantly reading Packer stuff, but the replies and the quote tweets and it's people are still freaking out about the draft, about not drafting a wide receiver. And it's like, it's over and done with the Jordan Love pick has been made. He's going to get his opportunity in probably two or three years. And then that's how we assess the draft. Like, it, I, I think, you know, if our offense was 15th in the league or 20th in the league and we were struggling and it's like, man, our defense really carried us and we slipped in as a wild card team. All right, let's then I'd be okay with, you know, going through that draft, those draft talkers again. But they're, they're literally one of the two best offenses in the entire game. They've been fantastic the entire year. They got home field advantage in a first round by the one seed. I, I think it's okay to relax on them and say the Packers had a plan and Jordan Love is is eventually going to be the future. So I'm kind of tired of the wide receiver talking point. But going back to what you were saying, even about on defense, the linebackers, people pull, getting pulled off the scrap heap. Rashawn Gary was getting killed last year for for not playing and, and not playing well. He didn't get a lot of snaps. You know, he was a rookie. And it's like, guys, let's just relax. This year he's been a lot better. I'd say he's better than Preston Smith already. And Preston's still a decent player. Rashawn, uh, why does he Rashawn here? Uh, Zedaria Smith has been fantastic again this year. Kenny Clark's been awesome. And then the other linebackers, like you said, Chris Barnes, like I didn't know who that guy was coming into this year. They give him the, they give him the helmet to communicate. The dude's running the entire defense. And it's like, who is this guy? And he's been good. And then you look at Kamal Martin coming out of Minnesota. I mean, he's been absolutely fantastic. He doesn't get enough playing time because I feel like he's still learning and there's some big moments that he hasn't been great in. But, you know, the inside linebacker position has been a disaster for Green Bay for like probably six years. And I feel like it's not great right now, but we're getting to where we want to be. So that's that's kind of exciting. 
Yeah, and why why is Chandon Sullivan so capable? I mean, you you, yeah. you hearken back to like the last ten drafts. How many fucking draft picks have they wasted in the first and second round on corners? And then just all of a sudden, like obviously Jair has been good since. I mean, pretty good since day one. But he's like, gonna be enough, bro. Yeah. Yeah, and then just like oh, Chandon Sullivan is the one to break it. Not you know, not Kevin King, not Demarius Randall, not any of these these yep. you know high first round picks. Not Quentin Rollins, who was a fucking basketball player who played one year of football. I mean, that's just kind of funny how that stuff works. But it it looks yeah. like it's all coming together for the Packers at the right time. Yep, Shannon Sullivan's been playing a lot of slot for us this year, and he's been he's been really good. He was surprisingly good because, you know, it's I, I just feel like there's like you said it's it's a bunch of guys that you might, if you just looked at the roster and just looked at the names and if you hadn't seen the Packers play any games this year, you'd say, that can't be a very good defense. I don't know who any of these linebackers are. Chan and Sullivan is your corner three. You know, it, especially people not watching a lot of NFC North games, they'd say Kevin King, like, I, I don't know. Jair is the only big name, essentially. But, you know, even on the backside, Adrian Amos has been good this year. He's really grown in the last, I'd say, six, seven weeks Started the year off kind of slow, but he's been fantastic of late. Darnell Savage has turned into a ball hawk. I mean, like, it's it feels like the defense is really growing, and, you know, all three facets, essentially. Like, you look at offense, you look at defense. The only thing that struggled this year is special teams. I mean, special teams has been – just go to the Bears game yesterday. I mean, the fumble on the punt return, and there's not a Packer within five yards to, to hop on it. Like – I feel like outside of special teams that we're really clicking and especially in offense and defense. And I don't know. The thing is, let's say the bears in that game yesterday, let's say that fumble, they score a touchdown. That game completely changes. Like I, I feel like the only way the Packers are going to lose in the postseason is if they beat themselves and special teams is a, is a pretty easy way to do that. Yeah, and it's also a, like a really demoralizing way to do it. You know, like if, if Aaron Rodgers 100%. fumbles, you're like, okay, well, he, you know, he, he'll make up for that. That's, you know, fumbles happen, you know, with any quarterback. But like special teams, you're like, ah, oh, these fucking kickers and punters, you shank one, you, you double yep. doink one. You, you, Devon you know. Austin gets like four touches a game. Like that's 25% of the time he just fumbled, you know? So it's, <laughs> they don't, they don't exactly get many opportunities to prove their worth. And, you know, we can go back into that later, but. Yeah, the Packers have been surprising this year. I, I saw, you know, however much value you want, you want to put into people picking records, but the consensus seemed to be like about 10 wins. And I went a little bit higher. I went 11 and five and, and they come out and drop a 13 and three. And I think this team, although it has the same record as they did last year, I think they're way better. I mean, I last year going in the playoffs, I knew if we met San Francisco, we were going to get smoked. And, and I think everyone else knew that as well. This year in the NFC, man, I, it feels pretty wide open. Yeah, and then just one one last thing here with the Packers, and then we we can move on. And I, I understand, you know, each season is independent of each season, but you know, thirteen and three last year, thirteen and three this year, you know, it really feels like they validated, like, hey, that was not a fluke year. Like we're really yeah. getting the most out of these guys that nobody's ever heard of, and a lot of a lot of times that's you know, that's that's the most dangerous way to do it because you're not really going to see it coming from some of the some of the names yep. there for uh, the old, the old green and gold. Absolutely. So good year for the Packers. And then, you know, where do you want to go from here? Do you want to touch on Chicago since they made the playoffs or where do you? Yeah, we'll go with, uh, we'll go in order of uh, the division. So we'll, we'll go with the bears here. They obviously finished at uh, eight and eight. Uh, I had them going six and 10. You had them going five and 11. I think they, 
Uh, well, I mean, they got off to that blazing. What are they six and two they started, or something? They started five and zero, and then lost oh. uh, six straight. <laughs> so they they limped. They got they got hit with a shotgun in the leg and, and they, got wounded into the playoffs. Yeah, they they crawled themselves to the finish line. <laughs> oh man, you know people people talk about, and I don't want to talk about the playoffs too much because we'll we'll get to it. Yeah. But people people yep. talk about how well if there's an expanded playoffs, I mean, we're gonna have some real bad teams get in. Uh, and obviously the NFC East, like that's a whole other yes. discussion, but like, we're going to let some bad teams in. You look at the playoffs, a lot of good teams. The only bad team that limped in, in my mind was the Chicago bears, bear down Chicago bears, huh? Bear down. That's right. Yeah. They're, oh, they're bearing I, down in their fucking basements right now after that performance in uh, week 17. Yeah. I, I don't know how I feel about Chicago. Cause it's like, man, I, it, you know, they start off five and oh, and I remember, Cause I was doing, I'm in a picks league or whatever, and I'm picking games or whatever. And I, you know, I glimpsed, I, I glimpsed out the record and I'm like, wait, Chicago's undefeated. And like, nobody was talking about it. I don't remember. I don't know about you, but I don't remember in week five or week six, anybody being like, man, this Chicago team, they're undefeated. They're unbelievable. It was kind of like a, how did this happen? It was like, did they get lucky? What is going on? And uh, obviously then they lose six straight games. And it's like, you, you think the wheels absolutely flew off in Chicago and then, they come back and win a couple games and, and sneak their way into the playoffs. So it'll be interesting to watch them. And eight and eight is pretty non-exciting. And I think it'll be interesting to see what they do. I just find the the quarterback record split fascinating, fascinating. Cause Nick Foles was two and five and Mitch was six and three. I, and I think this is good news for you and me. And from what I can gather, I think that there's probably some truth behind this. Extension uh, just, just, yeah, they're they're probably going to bring him back now. Maybe not oh, for a lot of money, but he's he's probably the starting quarterback next year. Because what else are you gonna what are you gonna do? Well, and that's the thing. It's like now that they're eight and eight and they've made the playoffs, it would have been on. It would have been better if after they went five and zero, they just lost out the entire season. I mean, they lost six straight. It was not out of the realm of possibilities for them to lose every game the rest of the way and have a decent draft pick. But now you're eight and eight. You're in the playoffs. Let's say they luck into a win, or they you know something happens and they they find a way to win a playoff game suddenly they're drafting like 23rd you know, there's nothing you can do with that in terms of the quarterback position. You're not going to get a franchise changing guy probably unless something crazy happens, um, you know, somewhere in the mid twenties for your pick. It's, I guess they're probably happy they made the playoffs, but I feel like they've done nothing but shipwreck their future. <laughs> and and this team, this offense is so damn bad. They are it's so terrible. lucky. They're so lucky that in year three, that David Montgomery just kind of just because of sheer amount of carries turned into a somewhat yeah. capable back. Good back, yeah. Oh, dude, they would average twelve points a game if they didn't have David Montgomery. I mean, it's, it's real bad. Well, it's and that's the bad. thing. Even watching the game yesterday, it was. I don't want to say I was ever nervous that that the Packers were going to lose. Lose like even you and me, we were DMing about you know after the MVS drop starting the third quarter, where it's like, all right, is what's going to happen here? But it's just you know Mitch Trubisky is going to give you a ball at some point. And it's like, you got to come down with it. I think we dropped two other picks. I know Rodgers had some picks dropped as well, so we're kind of fortunate there. But the point is, Trubisky's going to present opportunities where he's going to turn the ball over. And that's not a guy you want playing under center, especially you know if he was drafted second overall and you're going to sign him to an extension. I just, as a Packer fan, and I'm assuming you as a Viking fan as well, I hope they extend him. 
I mean, he, he's just not that good. He, he's at best, I, I think he's maybe a league average QB. And I'm perfectly fine with that happening in Chicago. Oh, that'd be the best news I've, I've heard in a while in the NFC North if that happened. Um, let's move on to the, uh, the shipwreck here, uh, known as the, uh, the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, they finished at seven and nine should have finished at six and 10. Uh, but no, we like, we like winning meaningless games when we're mathematically eliminated from the playoffs. Absolutely. Uh, I had them going 10 and six. Uh, so I was, I was a little off there. You had them uh, at nine and seven. So not too far off. I'd say that's acceptable. Um, good God. I, I'm a free agent now. It just, just, it just, yeah, man, I'm, I'm a free agent now. The Browns have been my AFC team for a while. I'm a Browns fan. I'll, I'll think of another team. I'm considering the Packers just because of, you know, geography. I mean, it's, it's the closest, but I fucking hate this team, man. I fucking hate Mike Zimmer. I hate Rick Spielman. They're a bunch of fucking bums. Gary Kubiak. Thank God he retired. Kirk Cousins. I can't stand the guy. That guy hits the gritty. Get the fuck off the field. I winning a meaningless game, tanking, tanking your draft positioning. We're, we're, we have pick 14. We're probably going to draft a goddamn three technique or a third string corner who's going to turn out to be another Mike Hughes. I hate this team, man. I really do. Given Dalvin Cook an extension was terrible. I mean, Vikings fans are insufferable, man. I mean, oh, man, every time I go on there and you and you and me, we understand how the game works. OK, it's better to go one and 15 than it is to go seven and nine. All right, because you're going to get Trevor Lawrence. And that's another thing. Maybe we didn't get the first pick in the draft. Maybe if we truly tanked, it's hard to lose every game. Maybe we, we would have got the third or fourth or fifth or, or sixth pick. But at least you're in a position to where you can package that pick with another thing and trade up. Or at least you're in the discussion. We're not in the discussion at all. We are in such a bad place. This team is so yep. poorly constructed that it's, it's actually impressive. But all you'll hear is people talking about Justin Jefferson, who's a great player. That's awesome. I'm glad we have him. But like, oh, man. And this offense is is awful. It's so antiquated. Mike Zimmer is the antithesis of a successful modern NFL coach. But, you know, you look at who's having success right now. It's young offensive coordinators who are innovative, who pass the ball. We're a run first defense first. We have, we have a, we have a coach who hates quarterbacks. Kirk is, is the, is, I mean, we give him a Ferrari and Justin Jefferson and God bless him. Cause he had a great year and we have feeling and stuff like that, but you wouldn't know that by the way this offense functions because a, a, a third of our plays are either checkdowns to CJ Ham, and then another third are our screen passes to Tyler fucking Conklin. And it's like, yeah, no wonder we're seven and nine. Like, I, just, I hate this team, man. I really do. I loathe it. I'm, I'm not even being hyperbolic, man. I have true disdain in my heart for this franchise. Yeah, it's. I mean, I, I don't even know where to begin. Because I feel like there's so much wrong. And, you know, you look at the record, yeah, they're 7-9. and nine. The last couple of years, they've obviously been a good team. But it's like, I, I, they're just not building the team correctly. And, and that's I think that's what it's always going to come back to. I, it blows me away that, that they're going to bring Kirk back next year. Well, obviously, they, they, sign, they sign him to an extension. They, they say he's the future. And it's like, are we watching the same team? You know, like, are, am I watching what Rick is watching? Am I watching what the Wilfs are watching? Like, and I know it drives Mike Zimmer crazy. And Mike Zimmer, obviously, he was built to win Super Bowls in 1985. I mean, that's he—that's what he was built for. He's not—he's not made for the, the NFL in 2020 and now, especially 2021. It's young quarterbacks on rookie deals with good rosters built around them. And like you were saying, it's—it's it's the antithesis of what the NFL is today. And 
you, you look at it and it's like, well, Mike wants to run the ball and he, it, it's, it's a run first and, and defensive team. And it's like, okay. And then, you know, you, you pay Dalvin and it's like, Kirk's making a ton of money and it, it, there's just, there's no way to make it work. And now that the defense isn't in essentially 2017 form where if that's going to be your philosophy, you have to have basically a top three defense in the league and, and kind of get lucky in the playoffs. They're not even close to that. And obviously Daniil Hunter, when he comes back, it's going to change things, but he wants a new contract as well. You're paying too many people. It's just, it's not realistic. And, seven and nine as a Packer fan, this is the best thing that could have happened for me, for the Vikings, seeing them win enough games to miss the playoffs, you know, or, or not win enough games to make the playoffs, but also win enough to not have a, you know, a premier draft selection. It's exactly where I want them to be because it shipwrecks the future. Like you were saying, and you know, you look at it, it's like, I remember around what, what week did we play the, did we play the second time? Was that like week six Packers Vikings? Uh, yes. Six or seven. Okay. It's, you know, somewhere, you know, week six, week seven, and the Vikings were in essentially free fall. Like their season was over and you know, they had huge losing streak. They couldn't stop anybody. The offense wasn't great, whatever. And they come out, they go, they go to green Bay and they beat the Packers. And suddenly everyone thinks it's a revival. And obviously I'm not talking about you. You're smarter than this, but you know, Twitter was like, man, these Vikings, the the Vikings are a good team and and whatever. And it's like, no, this is not what you should be cheering for. You should be cheering to lose 13 games this year to get a top three draft pick and to select the quarterback of the next decade. And it's like, it's astonishing to me how many people don't understand that. I think the team is going in the wrong direction and, and like I said, as a Packer fan, I love to see it. And you know how that's the right move for the team? Because that would make you as a Packers fan scared because it would be a good move. Oh, 100%. And, the, and this is how, dude, it just made me realize how delusional the average Vikings fan is because when they see that 7-9 and, ri- and nine record, you know, what they, you know what I think? I think that's a dead end. You know what they think? We're, four, we're four wins away from being 11-5. and five. Dude. Yeah, that's so bad. <laughs> dude, it's so bad. And It's all, delusional. All, all it's of Kirk Cousins, all of Kirk's stats are garbage time stats. This guy, dude, if if you look at Kirk's stats in a vacuum, you would go, oh, that's a very good quarterback. Wow, you guys must must win a lot of games, but we don't. So where's the disconnect? Why is that not the case? Because he's not good. And another thing, Vikings fans love the exception. Okay, so Kirk heading into this year, I think he was like zero and eight on Monday Night Football, uh, which. If, dude, if you're 0-2 on Monday Night Football, I'm not going to say you suck on Monday Night Football because that's such a small sample size. Maybe there's some weird stuff going on. Maybe if Kirk was 3-5, and five, I could look at a couple of games and go, listen, he probably should have been 5-3, and th- three, but, you know, there's some weird stuff. I'm not going to say he's bad. He obviously has a below 500 record on Monday Night Football. But, you know, whatever. But So he wins on Monday Night Football, and now he's good on Monday Night Football. No, he's still 1-8. Like, yep. But you, you're picking the one time where he won. It's the same as – well. Kirk doesn't have big moments. How about that game-winning touchdown to Kyle Rudolph in the playoffs? Yeah, you mean the time he got lucky? How about how, how about the other 50 times where there was a big moment and he didn't make it, but now that he has a 2% success rate in big moments, we can point to the one time he did it as the exception and go, well, listen, he's very good. This whole team is an exception, Reagan Hooverman, because you look at since 2000 or whatever, almost every team uh, who has won a Super Bowl They've had a franchise quarterback or a quarterback on a rookie deal. Okay, there's been yep. one, ex- two exceptions: Trent Dilfer and Joe Flacco. And we're and, we're you know. we're building this team as the exception. We're not building this 
easier said than done getting a franchise quarterback, but we're not trying to build it the, the way that you win Super Bowls. We're try, we th- That's the arrogance of the Vikings. That's the arrogance of Rick Spielman and Mike Zimmer to think that yep. they can be the exception, that they can be, hey, we can be the Baltimore Ravens and just have, you would have to have everything go correctly. You would have well, to have a- elite kickers and elite defense, a quarterback that doesn't turn the ball over, and maybe you could win without a Hall of Famer or a rookie quarterback, but that's well, not well, the reality. Man. And that's the thing. Like I was just gonna say, you know, Trent, Trent Dilfer, whatever the exception. But it's like even even Joe Flacco. You remember? I we've talked about this before. The playoff run Joe Flacco went on. It's one of the great playoff runs by a quarterback of all time. And not only that, he didn't turn the ball over. He had a ton of touchdowns. Whatever. He was fantastic throughout the playoffs. It's one of the great defenses in the history of the game, with Ed Reed and Ray Lewis. You know what I'm saying? Like Terrell Suggs. Like there was. It, to think it, and obviously you don't think this, but to think that there are Minnesota Viking fans out there that think Kirk could be Joe Flacco, and that's the type of defense that they could have is a, a complete delusion. And not only that, even if you do have those things, it's it's a completely different game than it was even eight years ago. It's so more pass heavy. It's it's so more reliant on on having an explosive offense and, instead of a defense. And it's like. That's happened, what, two times in the last 20-some years? Why, why do you think you'd be the third team? It, it's just like it, it doesn't make any sense to me. And and 7-9, and nine, like you said, thinking that you're just a couple, you know, you're well, you're only you're four games away from from 11 wins. It's like that is such the wrong mentality that I just can't even fathom how people look at it like that. Dude, it, it just makes me want to fucking cry when we're sitting there at fucking six and nine. There's not a single motherfucking reason to win that game. And yet fans will applaud. Whoa, Kirk, did you see Kirk's stat line against a fucking inept franchise in a meaningless game? Kirk is amazing. If there was no, if there was no pressure, Kirk would be a fucking first ballot Hall of Famer. He's if, the the games, ultimate- if the games didn't matter, Kirk would be better than Aaron Rodgers. He's he's the greatest at garbage time. I've never seen a better player. Who's, Dude, he's who's the ultimate. Time. He's the ultimate 12 o'clock p.m., you know, divisional game against garbage opponent Detroit. Like, he's the best to ever do it in those kind of games where it's like nobody's watching. You're playing a, a below 500 team, and it's like you can just boat race them and, and, and pile up your stats. And even in the games in which they lose, it's like, well, well, through, you know, three and a half quarters, Kirk had 48 passing yards and interception and no touchdowns with a, with a passer rating of 30. But in the last six minutes, when they were down 24 points, he threw three touchdowns and and brought him back to lose by seven. You know, and it's like his numbers are going to look like he had a great game. But if if you didn't watch the game, you would never know he was garbage through three and a half quarters. Oh man, he's the greatest at Pat at, at stat, uh, uh, patting his stats and you know whatever. I mean, I'm sure I can tune into Paul Allen tomorrow and he'll tell me about you know how wonderful this season was and how we're building momentum for next year by fucking boat racing a yeah one of the worst franchises in the league. So you know, hey, 2021 is going to be our year, Reagan Hooverman. So you you know you keep sleeping on the Vikings, but you know we're going to run it back. We're going to run it. Of course, we're going to lose a lot of players because we can't sign them, but we're going to run it back. That's that's the been the mentality since 2017. Run it back. Run it back. Same, and every year it gets worse. Same players, same defense, same coaches, same offense. Run it back. Run it back. It's different this year. And it's like in the NBA, that works. In the NFL, when has that ever worked? When has run it back and genuinely run it back? I don't mean like, well, we kind of brought in a, a star left tackle and we added a receiver and, you know, we drafted well on defense. That's not what they've done. 
they're genuinely just running it back and paying players more each year. And now they're out of money. And and Daniil Hunter wants a new deal, and they've paid Dalvin, and Kirk has an extension. The Kirk extension, don't get me started on this. That's a fireable offense. I don't care what anyone oh, says. Man. The extension is a fireable offense. I understand bringing him in the first time, three years, whatever it was, $84 million or something like that. I get it. You didn't have many options. Coming off 2017, you were a good team. You know, you're a game away from the Super Bowl. And Kirk was definitely an upgrade on whatever is Case Keenum. But it's like the experiment failed clearly through 2018, 2019. They're like, you know what? Let's just give an extension and see what happens. Like, I'd, that will never make sense to me. I think that's one of the great mistakes of the last 10 years in the NFC North. Reagan, I don't even think he's that much better than Case Keenum. His passer rating is only like five points higher than Keenum's was. Obviously, didn't work out for him when he left the team, but the team had talent. And we, dude, we have nothing. We literally have nothing. We're, tr- dude, we're running, we're running Dalvin Cook, who we just signed to a fucking five-year deal. We're treating him like Demarco Murray the last year with the Cowboys. And oh what my happened God. to Demarco? He was cooked. He yeah, got yeah. cooked because they treated him like a fuck, like a fucking rented mule. <laughs> yeah. Like. You know, they just worked him. It's it's like, dude, why am I hearing in a game that didn't matter? Why does Delvin have 38 carries? Why? For what reason? Be- because he's paid a lot? Because because he's the player on your offense? The season is over. It didn't matter for you guys. And they're like, well, if we just give – maybe if we give him 50 carries, maybe it'll ch- – it's like – it's so delusional that, that I, I just – it's kind of fun to watch from an outsider perspective because – I follow a lot of Viking stuff because, you know, whatever. And I, I live close and I watch Viking games. But it's like, man, the the level of just disconnect is is unbelievable to me and, and with fans of that franchise. And, and just to wrap up here, because I honestly could go on for hours. But another thing that people don't talk about is the pillars of your team. If you fuck around for a, a long enough time, they're not pillars anymore. So Eric Kendricks is playing very good, but he's like 29. So like, each year where we fuck around and don't win, that guy gets a year older and a year older. And then suddenly you're like, wait, Eric Kendrick sucks. And now he's 32. Yeah. Cause you, you fucking wasted his entire career. Harrison Smith yep. is another year older. Anthony Harris fucking sucks. And there's some he's nice, good. there's some nice pieces like DJ Wanham and, and Cam Dantzler looks to be better than Jeff Gladney, who we took in the first round and, you know, O'Neal, hopefully they move him to left tackle. And I didn't think Cleveland was super bad, all things considered, especially considering he's not a guard, he's a tackle. And we, you know, we played him on the inside, but it's like, oh, every year, the sum, the sum total of this team, the sum total of the talent on this team gets diminished and diminished and people don't find that concerning. Absolutely. I mean, I don't know what else there is to say. What do we even want to say about Detroit? Because I'm, I'm pretty oh, good on the fight. Is there anything to say about Detroit? We we picked it dead on, man. We they went five and eleven. I said they'd go five and eleven. You said they'd go six and ten. The only thing I want to say with the Lions, I don't care about their future. I don't really care about this season. But for the love of God, for 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 the love of humanity, can they please trade away Matt Stafford so we can go to a winning team for a couple of years and have a chance to do something? Hey, Matt, I agree with that. Matt Stafford to New England is kind of getting some steam in the last couple of days. I'd love it. I, I would, too. Give him a chance. Play with a D, play with one of the great coaches of all time and then, you know, a, 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 you know, a roster that gives him a chance to win some games because Lord knows Detroit won't do it. No, I, yeah. I genuinely feel bad for Matt Stafford. He's a, he's a good player. He's a good quarterback, but it's like, man, 
when you got a defense that sucked for 20 years and an offense that has no weapons outside of years with Calvin Johnson, it's like, man, I, I just feel bad for him. He's got to, he's got to go somewhere else. And, and I'm concerned. Do they retire his number? This is so off topic, but do they, do they retire Matt Stafford's number? Oh, a million, a million percent. I think so too. Yeah. I mean, it's like, I, I don't, he, has he even ever played in a playoff game? Yeah. He made it that one year. Right. Cause I got screwed. That sounds about, that sounds like a Detroit thing. Yeah. They made, they made it one year, but you know, I, I'm concerned that he's too washed. Or, or, you know, he gets injured too often because of, of what Detroit has done to him. I mean, they've turned his the vertebrae in his back into into graham cracker dust. Jesus. <laughs> it's I mean, not poor man. Yeah, it's... You hate to see it. You, oh, you okay. absolutely do. So, they, so uh, 2016, they lost in the wild card. 2014, they lost in the wild card. 2011, they lost in the wild card. And then the last time before that was 1999. Yeah, and you know what they did to that coach who brought him there, Jim Caldwell? They fucking fired him when he had an above 500 winning percentage. He wasn't a bad coach. He should not have been fired. Hell no. He was the best thing to ever happen to Detroit. And it's like, if you're going to fire, you gotta you got to bring in someone better, and their solution is Matt Patricia. Oh, vomit. <laughs> a little bit off topic, but actually, you know what? I'll save that. I feel the exact same way about a firing that just happened today. But we'll, we'll get to that, and uh, yeah. we'll, we'll, we'll move on from the NFC North here. Uh, we'll, we'll go to the NFC South, uh, where we had the New Orleans Saints go 12-4, and four, the Buccaneers going 11-5, and five, the Panthers at 5-11, and 11, and the Falcons at 4-12. and 12. Reagan Hooperman, we were pretty spot on with the Saints. I said they'd go 11-5. and five. You said 12-4, and four, so you, you nailed it. Uh, Tampa Bay, we were, we were a little too high. We both said 12-4. and four. Carolina, we were too high. I said 8-8. Eight and eight. You said seven and nine, and then the Falcons just a little bit too high. We said they'd go six and ten, and obviously they finished four and twelve. Uh, kind of a division of pretenders, wouldn't you say? I, I, it's it's so interesting watching the NFC South because I, I don't know what to make of either New Orleans or Tampa Bay at this point. And I guess we'll start at the top because New Orleans obviously finished twelve and four, and won the NFC South, but. I've been saying it. This is going on in my third year of saying this. Drew Brees is cooked. I don't care what his numbers are. I don't care how many games they win. His arm is shot. Every week I watch them play, he's throwing ducks. Balls are underthrown. They're overthrown. He's getting picked off. I don't think he's got a lot of gas left, and now I've seen in the last week or two, rumors have started to come out that, you know, especially with the rib injury that's happened this year, it's what sidelined him for a decent amount of time. Drew Brees is thinking about walking away after this year, which I can respect. I totally get that. But I think it's becoming pretty clear that e- even when they're going to be in the playoffs, I, I think they have the second – do they have the second seed or did Seattle get the second seed? Uh, I, I, the Saints have the second seed. Okay. So, you know, even though they're the second seed, it's like, man, I I think he's going to unravel in the playoffs. Like, I I don't know how many Saints games you watched this year, but he did not look like the same quarterback he was. And obviously he's going to be a Hall of Famer. And I'm not saying he has to play like prime Drew Brees, but he's playing like league, league average at best right now. And I think the record is is better than the team actually is. Yeah, you know that uh, – I don't know why this is a kid's game, but you know that little kid's game where it's like a square of wood and it's got plastic over it and it's got like the little um, – it's like a maze where you try to get the ball in the hole. Yep. 
that's basically Drew Brees's uh, rotator cuff, and then of course he has graham cracker fucking ribs. That yeah, that guy is cooked. I'm entirely. I didn't believe you the first year. I was a little skeptical, but these last two years, holy it's, fucking balls. It's not even. He's not good. It's, it's not even necessarily the numbers, like because the numbers are still pretty good. But, but it's like, meaningless. If, if you sit down and watch the games, if you watch the footballs that he throws, a lot of them are sailed. A lot of them are underthrown. He's missing easy throws that that even league average quarterbacks are making with ease. And it's like, man, it. You go back to the last time, uh, not the NFC Championship where they lost, the, the season after that. He threw a pick to lose the game. He, th- he just lobbed him up into double coverage in, in overtime. And it's like, what are you doing? I, I, I think he's I think he's lost a step, and I, I don't have faith that the Saints are – I don't think they make it to the NFC Championship game. I really don't. Like, I, I, I'm kind of out on the Saints. Oh, I don't, I don't think they get very far either. And yeah, again, 24 touchdowns, six interceptions, nearly a 71% completion percentage. The numbers look good, but it's the eye test. And 100%. half of that offense is is just checkdowns to Michael Thomas, which is why he has you know, 100, 130 yeah, or screens. So it's all high percent. It's the Sam Bradford fucking offense with the Vikings in, in 2016 or whatever the fuck he was here. I yeah. mean, it's, it's the most basic offense ever. I mean, you, you could just play a certain fucking sub package on defense and then their entire offense is gone is gone. Well, that's the thing. And when the saints played, uh, when the saints played green Bay, even though we ended up winning that game, I think Alvin Kamara had like 250 yards or something like that. And like 180 of them were, were screen passes because we couldn't stop. And it's like, that's going to reflect well on Drew Brees way through two touchdowns. And, he, and it's like, well, yeah, on those plays, he threw the ball a total of seven yards. And, and it's going to show up in the stat sheet as 202 touchdowns. So, you know, it's like, like you said, he, he doesn't pass the eye test anymore. And, and I think in the play, that's something you can get away with in the regular season, especially when you get four games total against Carolina and Atlanta, which are pretty much garbage right now. It's going to look good when you get to the playoffs and you got to play, you know, better teams. You got to go on the road somewhere, especially a place like potentially Green Bay. It's, it's not going to fly. Oh, absolutely not. And then just one last thing, I suppose, about the about the Saints. You know, Kamara, it looked it looks like he had a good year. He had 16 rushing touchdowns, but he had six of them against the Vikings and, and probably should have had a seventh if they brought him in for the, uh, uh, well, I suppose the one rushing touchdown he didn't get. Um, yeah, but, it, was, it was like third and goal from the half-yard line. Yeah, that's, oh, man. But, yeah, I think that, uh, they're real paper tigers. I don't, I don't think they'll do anything in the playoffs. Um, and then – Tampa Bay, it's, you know, they finished 11 and five, second in the division at the NFC South. Uh, I, we both had them at 12 and four. I thought they'd be a little better than they actually were, but I, I don't know what to make of this team either. Uh, you know, it's, it's like, it, is it going to be the team with, with a dominating defense and a, and a good run game and weapons on the outside, or is it going to be going to be the team that gets down three, three possessions early and the game's over? You know, we've seen both iterations of that team and, Tampa Bay has just been so inconsistent that I I don't think they make a run through the playoffs either. Yeah, that was that was my big takeaway is like, you know, I think if this team can score first, they maybe could hold on to a lead. But Tom Brady's not the 37 year old Tom Brady he was you know a while ago. I mean, they, like they got down. What was it? The Falcons game where they were down by a shit ton of points. Were, I think they were down 20. Yeah, and obviously because it's the Falcons, they came back. But it's like, dude, if you even if you do that to the Saints. Or, uh, uh, shoot, I forget who they uh, play. Oh, they play Washington. I think they're safe for, for – well, I don't want to get into the playoffs. But point being, if this, a is a, if this is a team that 
uh, you know, gets down by even 10 points, dude, I think that's, I, I think the fat lady's singing at that point. Yep. And, and I, I think that's a good point. It's they're a front running team. They get out to a lead that defense can eat. The pass rushes can get after it. They can be more aggressive, play some press coverage, whatever. But that's not a team that wants to play from behind. And obviously no team wants to play from behind, but if you're Kansas city, you know, if you're green Bay, you can get chunk plays like that. You know what I'm saying? You can score quickly. Tampa Bay, for as much as they, they have weapons on the outside, they have not been that team. It, it has not been, you know, we can make up 14, 20-point gaps consistently, and obviously you do it against Atlanta. Okay, everybody and their mother has done it against Atlanta at some point this year. So I, I don't put much credit into that. But I think Tampa Bay is a front-running team. If they get down 7, 10, potentially even 14 points in a playoff game, I think the game's over no matter what, how much time is remaining on that clock. Yeah, I, I I agree with you 100% on that one. Um, Carolina, moving on to Carolina, th- that one's a little tricky because obviously we were we were off the mark. Uh, we were a little too high. But, man, if Christian McCaffrey plays, you know, 13 more games, I, I really do think they would have gone 8-8 eight and eight, or who knows, maybe I, even better. I think they might have even won more than that. I think it could have been somewhere around nine wins. You know, I the McCaffrey injury was – uh, devastating is is the only way to put it. I mean, that's a guy that was literally their entire offense. And, you know, you get Teddy Bridgewater in the system and, you know, Keekly was done. And it, there was just a lot of changes with that team. You bring in a new coach and it's like five and 11, it looks really bad, but I don't think they're as bad as their record says. And next year I expect better things from them. And it's, I just don't know what to make of Carolina because every week it seemed like they were just, it was a roller coaster up and down. It's like, well, they scored 35 this week and gave up seven points. And then the next week they score three points and get beat by 24. So uh, just a completely inconsistent team. And, and five and 11 is, I I guess, whatever it is, but I think next year they'll bounce back and have quite a few more wins. Oh, for sure. Cause I, like we just said, the top two teams in that division in my mind are are paper tigers and, uh, you know, you get McCaffrey back, hopefully. And listen, they're in a high enough position where maybe they draft the future. I mean, obviously you have Bridgewater there who's not bad and on a reasonable contract. But, uh, you know, I think given the money they've given Matt Rule and, and uh, you know, some of the guys there, like they're in there for the long haul. So, you know, yeah. do you want to do you want to try to get a franchise quarterback? I think every it was either this year or last year. I'm pretty sure it was this year. All eight of their draft picks were on defense. So like they just have young guys on that defense to go around. I mean, Brian Burns, Yitor Gross Matos, uh, Derek Brown, um, Jeremy Chin. Holy smokes. That guy, obviously I think we all know who the real defensive rookie of the year is, Uh, but Jeremy Chin deserves consideration. That guy had what two touchdowns against the Vikings. Weird how every good young player we've talked about has had a great game against the Vikings, but uh, I, I'm, I like that team. They, they're a, they're a not so sleepy, not so, not so, uh, untrendy pick next year to to make the leap into the playoffs i agree so carolina probably a bright future depending on how they address the draft but you know five and eleven i don't think is exactly indicative of what that team actually is and then atlanta in the cellar of the nfc south <laughs> oh boy four and twelve and we both had them picked at six and ten so we were off by a couple games but you know i knew it wasn't going to be good and obviously that's why we picked them to go well below 500 but four wins, I know Matt Ryan's not what he used to be, but you've got weapons. That offense, Atlanta has prided themselves on an on a explosive offense for the last six years. And 
you couldn't win more than four games with it. I, I just I, I don't understand it. Obviously, the defense is is not anything special, but to only win four games and you've still got more than competent players in offense is is an absolute it's a disaster. And I think a lot of it comes down to coaching because you look at what happened. How many twenty point leads did they blow this year? Three, four. Something it like was that. it was several. It was it, it was every week. It was on Sports Center and the Falcons have. After being up twenty-seven to three, oh, they end up losing, you know, forty-two to thirty-five, and it's like, what, what is going on? So I, I think you just clean you clean house in terms of front office coaching staff, everything, start over, and start rebuilding because I I think that's the only future for Atlanta. Yeah, I only have one thing to say about this team, and and uh, it's uh, listen, it ties into the Vikings as well. So they they start the season zero and five, okay? Then then they fire uh, what what's his name? Not Gus Bradley. Even, yeah, they they what are they? Didn't they fire the head coach? Yeah, but I'm I'm blanking out his name. Either way, either way, it doesn't matter. Um, but then then they they get the interim coach, and what is it? It's that weird thing where if you look at interim coaches, their their first week coaching, like they they actually win a lot of games, like they they're yep. above five hundred. They beat the Vikings. This. This starts off a bad stretch for the Falcons because then they go on to win three of their next five games. Okay, so they're sitting there at four and seven, and then they decide to lose the next five. So that stupid middle third stretch is what's keeping them away from Trevor Lawrence, the hometown guy who could play in that nice, fancy stadium. Reagan, they could have had Trevor Lawrence. They started off 0-5. They finished on a five-game losing streak. It's that pesky in-between, man, where they beat the Panthers, they beat the Broncos, they beat the Raiders and the Vikings. And you just can't have those stretches. I mean, you look at, and we'll get to the Jets eventually when, once we hit the AFC, but man, you look at teams that have just shipwrecked their future because they won games that absolutely did not matter. Atlanta's up there. The Jets are up there. I mean, it's like, I, I don't understand it. And obviously you can't, you can't come out and say, we're going to try to lose this game on purpose, but you can do things to try and to try and really sell your season. <laughs> you can, I, I think you can put <laughs> Nate Sudfeld in the game. Yeah, well, exactly. You could do things like that, or you could you could send the house on on third and a mile with the game on the line. Classic. Like the you know, it's like there's things you can do, and Atlanta clearly didn't do those things, and they end up four and twelve. And obviously, it's not middling; like they don't have a bad draft pick, but they 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 got to find a way to get to their franchise guy, and it, it might not be this year, but you never know. I I think they got to start over. I, that's that's the only way I see them competing in this division for the next several years. Well, listen, maybe they could trade up. I mean, there's also another hometown well, Georgia kid who plays at Ohio State that they could that they could right. maybe draft. So, you know, I, mean, I don't know. Maybe I don't think they're going to be able to finesse a trade with the Jaguars. But, you know, I don't know, here's hoping. Um, so, let's uh, let's move on here to the uh, the NFC West. Um, yeah, we did not this do was a bloodbath. Great. This was a bloodbath for us. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> the the Seahawks finished 12 and 4. We were pretty good on that. We both said 11 and 5, so that's a yep. good pick. Uh the Rams finished finished 10 and 6. We had them I had them going 6 and 10. You had them going 5 and 11. Uh, that's not good yep. for for either of us. The Cardinals, we thought uh they would go 10 and 6 and 9 and 7. They went 8 and 8. They were obviously like the trendy team to pick uh, hey, in the preseason. They should have won that last game though. That would have been 9 and 7 uh, against the Rams. Kyler Murray went out for like two quarters. They were going to win that game. I'll give you that one. I'll give you that one. But I am the, not. The I am not going to give you a pass 
I'm not going to give you a pass. And th- he came in and threw a duck. It was immediately a pick six, like two snaps into it. <laughs> yeah, the Troy Hill or whatever. Oh, but God. I'm, I am not giving you a pass here on the Niners. Uh, I did have them no. going 10 and six, so I was pretty wrong. But you had them going 12 and four. Okay. I, I'm pretty sure they had like eight starters on IR through week three. They lost their entire roster basically to injury. Everything went wrong at, at the same time. They play in a tough division. I said 12 and four. I'll own it. I was completely wrong about the 49ers. And, and trust me, I'm happy I was wrong because I hate the 49ers. But man, I, what, I'm curious to see what they do next because now there's questions at quarterback. Trade for Kirk. Trade for Kirk. We'll give you three first rounders. What if they did something crazy and just flooded you guys with picks? Oh, I'd I'd love that. Just trade them all, package them up, and just trade them all for the second pick. Oh man, I San Francisco. The, the NFC West is such a weird. I think any one of those teams next year could legitimately win the division. Well, I don't think the Niners can, but the the other three, I I think for if sure. They, I, if they bounce back, dude, I I don't know. Like, I guess Seattle's kind of the cream of the crop, but like Seattle had some real clunkers this year. Like, I know they went they won twelve games, but. How many games did they win where it was like, you should not have won that game? You go back to go to the Minnesota game. They should not have won that game. If Minnesota doesn't piss that away, man, I I don't know. I, I guess I'm just not as high on Seattle either. I don't know. It looks like that Jamal Adams trade turned out pretty good. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. He's been playing pretty he's pretty much been, been converted to a linebacker this year. Yeah, that's smart because he's probably he's got to be like 220. Yeah, he's what do you have like eight sacks this year? That's absolutely insane. <laughs> yeah, yes. Uh, also, like dislocated his shoulder in week 17 or whatever, but you know, ah, well, well, I'm sure that won't come back to haunt him. Or, or the time when he, he was out due to injury and he took a picture of him watching the Seahawks on TV and there was like a big blunt right on his table. <laughs> ah, yeah, you know. <laughs> little lax on these drug rules, apparently. But it was so funny because everyone's like, "Delete, delete, delete" in the comments. <laughs> oh man, internet! Oh. The internet stays undefeated. They really do. The internet is completely goaded. Well, and I'm uh, also, I'm also, I'm fascinated. I'm fascinated uh, by good teams that just have like shit quarterback uh, problems. Because like the Rams, that defense could win a Super Bowl, but like. What are you going to do next year? You have Jared Goff. Like, he is most definitely not the answer, but like, he's going to be stuck there for a long time. Like, that's a contract you cannot get out from. Yeah. And I think there's a lot of teams like that where, you know, it's, it's kind of the Kansas City situation. Obviously, you're not going to, Mahomes is not just sitting in every draft, but you know what I'm saying? It's Kansas City. They were a good team. They were making, you know, they occasionally won the division. They were making wild card games with Alex Smith. And it's like, yeah, this is a it's a good roster with a a pretty good quarterback. And maybe they could make some noise in the playoffs. And Kansas City basically decided to not necessarily tear it down, but they started over at the quarterback position, said, we think this is the kid of the future. And, and suddenly they have a championship, you know, less than three years later. It, could the Rams be a team like that? Like I said, you're not going to find Mahomes in the draft, but could you move off? or eventually move off a player like Goff and try to start over at the quarterback position, considering how good that defense actually is. I feel like it's a possibility. Yeah. You, you could, you do have some pieces that you could get rid of that maybe you could package in a trade. Like, uh, I don't don't know. Like if you had to give up Cooper cup to try to get a, a, a fancy young quarterback, would you do it? 
I mean, I, I'd do that in a heartbeat. You know, you might have to yeah. part ways with some – you got a couple of nice young running backs. Maybe, maybe you know, I don't know. I don't know. I'll be curious to see what they do in, in free agency because uh, I didn't think they'd go 10-6 and because uh, I think we talked about it on the preview show, but they lost, they lost like, like nine they starters. Lost like, they lost like nine or ten starters, which is insane that they even won ten games to me. Yeah, I, I, I don't understand how that works. And uh, just just real quickly here on the Cardinals, I, I, I think next year is probably their year. Uh, I, I like that team a lot. And just uh, it's a shame. It's a shame they didn't make the playoffs because uh, it's probably the last year for the greatest wide receiver to ever play the game, Larry Fitzgerald. Oh, it's not Jerry Rice? Oh, my God. Yeah, nah. <laughs> he's, he's definitely in the top 70, that's for sure. Yeah, somewhere in the top 200. Uh, yeah, Arizona, man. I, like I... – I'm 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 out on Cliff Kingsbury. He's not a good coach. Like that, there is no reason that that team should not be in the playoffs. I don't care if they play in the NFC West. There is no reason they got. I yeah, I guess they had some injuries on defense, but like that defense is fine. The offense has so many weapons. It's like that that has to be a playoff team. There were some weird like clock management blunders and like some questionable decisions by Kingsbury. Like, do you just fire that coach and try and get someone better? Like, say, hey, Kyler Murray is the, the future of this of this division. Help us get to the playoffs. Yeah, you know, reach up because you can go out and try and hey, Urban Meyer. You know, you want to come coach in Arizona and whatever. Like, there's big names out there that they could go try and get, and I feel like they sh- that's something they should do. But Cliff is Kyler's guy, and I 100% do not want to see Urban Meyer as an NFL coach. That dude is is. Everything about him, his recruiting is second to none. I mean, that'd be he'd waste that in the NFL because there's not any recruiting. But hey, how about this? Well, right now he's he's sitting in an analyst chair, so I I feel like he could be doing better things. Yeah, like going back to college where he would win a national championship wherever he went within four years. But how about this? We talked. This guy was a hot candidate last year. Direct direct connection there with Kyler Murray. Hey, how about you fire Cliff? Maybe he go. Maybe he goes back to to college. Maybe he goes back to USC or whatever, where he spent a week before he got hired by the Cardinals. And you get yep. uh, Lincoln Riley. Hey, go for it. Or hey, shoot a text over to uh, Bianami in in Kansas City. Say, hey, we know you're good on offense. We know you're a great guy, and come on over here and and work with Kyler Murray and be the future of this program. You know, there's so many ways they could go, but I think Cliff Kingsbury is. It, it, it's just not the answer. They got to they got to change that up because there's more than enough talent on that roster to be a, a really good competitive playoff team. Ah, we don't know if the enemy's good. You know who I would give a phone call to though, Anthony Lynn. Oh yeah, yeah. They wow. Well, I, I keep alluding to that, but you know he got done dirty over there in uh, in L.A. Yeah, I actually I actually don't think he's that bad of a coach. No, I think he's dude. He was twelve and four two years ago. I mean, you gave this guy a rookie quarterback who had a. Uh, whatever we'll get to that with the Chargers, but there's there's a lot of options the the Cardinals could go, but I don't think they're gonna fire Cliff this year. Yeah, I mean if they if they really want to sh- if they want to get someone really innovative and like someone that could really ch- change the offense and get the dynamic, they could just go after Mike Zimmer. I was just gonna say, yeah, I can, yeah, that <laughs> he, guy. He's listen, gonna have his hat in the, He's gonna have his name in the conversation. He's gonna he's gonna play Kyler Murray like Sammy Baugh, and they're they're just gonna. <laughs> That's the perfect team for the 1960s. A hundred percent. Wearing leather helmets. That's the Zimmer special. Oh yeah. One hundred percent. Zimmer, man, if we could just get that guy in a time machine, if, if only, if only what have it at, at epic duels with uh, Lombardi. Imagine the rivalries. 
Well, we know Zimmer wouldn't shake his hand after. Yeah, Zimmer is a little bit of a bitch when it comes to the media. That guy flips out at people Dude, for asking him questions. My, my 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 favorite is like Zimmer, like not that he's comes off as like trying to be a tough guy, but I think he's kind of, you know, hardcore and, and grit and grind and defense and, or whatever. But like he loses a game against the Packers and won't shake LaFleur's hand. Like, come on, dude, you're like 60 something. Why are you acting like a 15 year old? He's also a guy who takes zero responsibility. Like when he said, uh, I don't, I don't well, have, my, I don't my have my guys. Sucks. Yeah. yeah or my I don't have my guys. Good. Mike Zimmer, look at that defense. They're all your guys. Like, oh, 100%. You, you, you didn't draft Todd Davis. You didn't draft uh, Chris Jones. But everybody else, like Harris, uh, Dantzler, Gladney, uh, Smith, uh, DJ Wanham, literally everybody is your guy. And also, by the way, even if you didn't draft them, they're still your guys because they're on your, they're on your roster, you fucking moron. You're the one coaching them all year. So it doesn't doesn't matter if this is their first year here from fucking Denver. You're coaching them, you fucking idiot. One hundred percent. And if he's the defensive maestro that he claims to be, which okay, he probably is, then you should be coaching those guys up until they're serviceable. There's no re- you if if you're you know you're a head coach, you should be working with offense, defense, special teams. You are. It is your job. It is your team. Period. There's no way around that. And he just pawns off the offense. I don't want anything to do with that. Well, then you better have a damn good defense. And he doesn't. The defense, they gave up a 50 burger and six rushing touchdowns to the Saints. I mean, like, I, I, I just, I don't understand it. I don't get it. And, like, we're really ragging on Zimmer, but I think it's well deserved. Oh, 100%. And you do you want to know a way that ensures no free agents sign with the Vikings? Shit on all of your fucking players. Just shit on all of them. Take no responsibility. Blame them. Blame yeah. blame the the blame the three guys who you didn't draft who are on your team playing. Yeah, that'll make sure that we you know get forget even getting superstars. But even like oh here's a promising guy who's probably looking for a prove it deal. Maybe we could you know find something to to work. Nope. Like, dude. And that's when I knew the Vikings were gonna suck. Is when all those players that we've been cultivating just left and decided to take prove-it deals elsewhere yep. instead of staying with us. When I saw J. Ron Curse take $2 million to go to the Lions, he ain't going to have success with the Lions, but he'd rather go there than be here. When Alexander left, I don't blame Waynes because that's a lot of money, but uh, Weatherly, when all these guys left who you could have brought yep. back for like a million or, or $2 million, like, ah, that's when I knew things were real bad because they clearly don't respect Mike Zimmer. 100%. All right, so are we are we good on the NFC West and also yeah. more Mike Zimmer talk? <laughs> yeah, well, you never know what might come up, but yeah, we're, we'll move on to the uh, the NFC least, uh, where uh, this one was a tough one to pick because this division is just disgusting. I don't want to spend too much time on it, but uh, we had the uh, Washington Football Team going seven and nine. I had them going two and fourteen, so I was pretty pretty wrong on that. Uh, you had them going three and thirteen. Uh, the Giants went six and ten. I had them going seven and nine. You had them going exactly six and ten. I'm going to skip this one for a second because I want it to be the last one. But finishing yeah. in fourth place, the Eagles went four eleven and one. We both had them uh, going eight and eight, which is pretty darn bad. But uh, the Dallas Cowboys went six and ten. I had them going ten and six, so uh, that's still a bad pick. But you had them going twelve and four. <laughs> <laughs> All right, here's uh, I won't defend it because it was a terrible pick. But here, I'll explain my reasoning, or at least try to. When I looked at their – I literally looked at their schedule, pulled it up, went through all the games. 
I genuinely believed that they would sweep the entire NFC East. I thought they would win both against Washington, both against the Giants, both against Philly, which is six wins. You're, you're basically 6-0 in the division. And it's like, at that point, can you go 6-4 and four against against the rest of the teams? I thought they could do it. And they were garbage. They were garbage. after They were competitive. No, I can't say competitive. They were somewhat somewhat competent before Dak got injured. After he went down, not only did the wheels fly off, the axles snapped, the body was sending sparks everywhere. That team was horrific. Mike McCarthy was smashing watermelons in hotel rooms to hype up the roster. What the hell was going on in Dallas? A beaver. I I just don't understand it. You know what's my favorite part about this? Is that uh, literally like, Three days later, maybe not even three days later, you were, you were like, holy shit, this is a bad pick. Like we, were, <laughs> It wasn't at the midway point of the season where you realized 12 and 4 no. was ridiculous. It was like before week one, you're like, ah, yeah, I might have fucked up with this one. I, well, like, like, literally, like you said, like two or three days after I made that selection, I was like, all this self-report. I literally at old takes exposed before the Cowboys played a single game. <laughs> oh, man. It was uh, bad. Yeah, it, it was not good. Um, I have, I honestly have nothing to say about this division. The only thing I will I say is about Washington. Props to them because seven and nine. I understand like it's the NFC least. Like seven and nine should never win a division, but they did win a division. And props to Ron Rivera. He's a very good coach. He, dude, he battled through cancer like four different starting quarterbacks. His yeah. owner having a scandal, and uh, you know, like that's it's honestly insane they went seven and nine so props to him that dude is he got a little stale in carol i don't think he was ever a bad coach in carolina maybe his message just got a little stale after being there for you know seven or eight years and and losing the super bowl he's a very good head coach i love what he's doing with washington uh maybe not roster wise but his coaching ability is might be second to none so shout out to ron rivera 100 percent. i could not agree more i i have so much respect for ron rivera not just the health stuff obviously the cancer stuff is unfortunate and and it's you know it's great that it sounds like he's doing better and he's fine now but to continue to coach a team for that and to coach a team well a team that had essentially no future what was the future for washington Dwayne haskins who who was literally just cut or whatever or released like a couple weeks ago that team had no future no identity at all alex smith was coming back after what was literally a a completely devastating leg injury that pretty much should have lost him his leg. Like that team has had no identity and nothing going for them. He gets them to seven, seven and nine, which like you said, it's not great, but it's a division championship. It's a playoff berth. They've got one of the better defensive lines in the entire playoffs right now. That's a good defensive line. Like at least now it feels like there's potentially a future there. And I think a lot of it is because of him. 100%. And listen, even if they went, even if they were the fourth team in the NFC East and they went seven and nine, that's still. I, I'm not trying to, you know, be a dick about it, or I, you know, I mean what I say. Like that, that to, is a, that is an accomplishment. That is like it, that is 100%. legitimately impressive. You have to adjust your standards for teams. It's the reason seven and nine for Washington and seven and nine for the Vikings is not the same seven and nine. It's not at all. It's it. The rosters are completely different. And I'm not trying to go back to the Vikings for a third time here, but I'm just using it as a comparison. Like records are not 
the same for every team. Seven and nine for Washington is an accomplishment considering they've been in the cellar of the East for so long. Like you think, yeah, you go back to Kirk Cousins. That's the last time they were good. But even then they were getting boat raced in the playoffs the few times that they made it. And over the last couple of years, they had nothing going for them. And I feel like now if you're, if you're choosing to like, if you're a new fan and you're looking at the NFC East for God knows whatever reason you want to be a fan, that's like Washington's not even that unappealing. It's better than Philly. Dallas is a, a continuous train wreck. The New York Giants aren't that entertaining. Like Washington at least has a future now. And, and Ron Rivera, I think, is the perfect coach for that team. Oh, for sure. And it, it's possible that the wheels just fall off, you know, with any team. But like, where do you think they go next year? They're, I mean, logically, they're going to win more than seven games. I mean, you know, so the. Like you said, that defensive line is super good. The team's really young. Cameron Curl, I think, was undrafted, and he turned out to be a really good safety in year one. So it's like, I don't know the future of the quarterback position, but like, it wouldn't be, it would not be crazy with a de- a decent, not a good, but a decent free agency and a draft. Hey, they could be ten and six next year. I mean, that division is buns. Hundred percent, totally agree.